Okay, so I got to get some uh, cleanup stuff out of the way here. Uh, let's see. I get to preach today. Remember how, la I think it was last week or two weeks ago, yes, yeah, I guess it was two weeks ago now, Bill Malik got up here and told about the time he had to follow Billy, Billy Graham, in preaching, you know. Well, I've got to follow Billy Malik, you know, <laughs> who followed Kerry Bowman. So well, I don't know how that works. But uh, we've got some good people coming to share with us in the next week, the weeks that lie ahead here in October. For those of you who may be kind of new and haven't caught on what's going on, uh, right now Chorus Church uh, has called a new pastor to come. Carrie and Melissa Bowman will be coming the first Sunday of November, and we're excited about them coming and uh, taking the lead here at Chorus Church, and we're excited about getting behind them and serving along with them as uh, is, is God leads. So in October, though, we've got some other people coming in. I want to share with you who that is. Some of you have seen this book called Kingdom Come. Well, one of the authors, Sean Kennedy, uh, will be coming to, to preach next week. So very cool, huh? So I'm excited. He's a, he's a great guy. He actually pastors down in San Diego area. So uh, he's one of our sister churches, and I'm excited about him coming up. Uh, then the following week, Bill Malik's back, October 20th. And the week after that, I tried to get this clarified in the first service, but nobody would really give me the, this isn't going out, uh, you know, this won't, I don't know if it's going to be a podcast or not. So we have somebody by the name of M coming from the country of ministering to Muslims. He's one of the, the, the international workers that we have serving in another country in the world who is, uh, well, we just don't want to say his name because it might be too dangerous when he returns. And so he and his wife and their little girls serve over there. And the work they're doing, uh, Bill Malik and I had the opportunity to, to visit with them uh, uh, a few months ago and see the work that they are doing and uh, just love what they're doing. And I'm so excited that he's going to be able to be here and share with you guys the work that's going on among some of the, the Moroccans. Not, he's not living in Morocco, Morocco, serving there, but he's ministering to them in another country. So. Enough of telling you what I can't tell you, okay, on there, okay. All right, uh, in your folder that you got, there's some notes, and uh, it says here you are invited. Well, you're invited to read the scripture at your own leisure whenever you want to, and uh, the blanks, you're invited to read the scripture and figure out what the fill-ins might be, but I'm not going to tell you we're not going to use this today. Okay, now the other side of the page was just for you, and it still kind of fits. And uh, what it is is your, my identity in Christ, it says, and it comes from the book Victory Over Darkness. And uh, there's some scriptures there, and you might just in your devotional time discover through these passages of scripture your identity in Christ. It's a great exercise. 
But the, the side that says you're invited with the Hebrews passage, I've been going to preach this. When Bill asked me to preach uh, a number of weeks ago, I said, yeah, I can do that. And I was going to preach from this passage. And yesterday, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, no. So we'll see how that goes. I would like us just to seek the Lord in prayer right now. Would you join me? Well, Lord, it's great to be quiet before you at times. We don't do it often enough, Lord. We have such busyness in our lives with so many sounds coming into our ears. But we don't have times like this where we just stop to listen to you. In fact, Lord, if we let it be quiet too long, We'll start feeling pretty fidgety and uncomfortable. But we come and address you, our Father, you who are in heaven. We do want to hallow your name. We cry out to you for holy. Blessed be your name, Lord. As we come to address you, Lord, we hardly know how to think about you. It's somewhat hard. But you are not like us. You are totally holy in all of your ways. Pure and righteous altogether. And we are not. You, Lord, are completely wise. All wisdom and knowledge are yours. And we are so finite in our thinking and in our understanding. It's hard for us to really comprehend that you know all things. It's hard for us to comprehend that you know the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. That you know every word before it comes off of our tongue. We say we believe it, Lord, because we know your scripture teaches it, but it's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to understand that you are infinite. that you have no limits, that you have always existed. There's never been a time from eternity past when you did not exist. You have always existed. You've always had a self-consciousness. You've just always been there. <laughs> we cannot understand that. It's hard for us to understand that you are all-powerful, and when you extend any 
expend any energy. Well, you're not expending energy. It's always there. You are all powerful. You know all things. And you are everywhere. Wherever we go, we cannot hide from you. You're with us when we lie down and when we rise up. And you know every thought of every day. You never change. For that we are grateful. We're grateful that you are all powerful and all knowing because you are holy and gracious and merciful. So we take this time to tell you, Lord, though we don't really, really understand you because we are so finite, we take this time to tell you that we love you. And we're so blessed that you are our God. One more advertisement. I bought this book years ago. The cover doesn't look the same anymore. But I would encourage you, if you have a Kindle app of any sort, you can download it for 99 cents. The title of the book is Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And I would just encourage you to get it and to read through it as it describes and talks about our God. So if I'm not speaking from Hebrews, well, let's turn to John chapter 5. As our practice is at Forest Church, would you stand as we read this passage of Scripture from John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up the water, stepped in, was made well, whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps in before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But, Jesus, but he answered them, he, made me, he who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. And they asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while, while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So let's walk through this passage. It says here that there was a feast of the Jews. People try to figure out, well, what, what was it? What was the feast? You know, it, for us, it really doesn't matter, okay? And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He went to the sheep gate. That's around the temple there, and that doesn't really have bearing on our passage today for what we're looking at. But in Hebrew, it was called Bethesda, which is like house of mercy. The only thing that's important about the fact that there was a feast, that we know that there was a lot of people around. And here in the this house of mercy, Bethesda, there was, by this pool, there were, just a whole group of people who were sick. The scripture says they were blind, lame, withered. The next few words that come after that, maybe in your Bibles, don't exist. I read them. You said, well, I didn't. It's not my Bible. Well, it's in parentheses or brackets in my Bible. And in the earliest manuscripts, it's not really there. It's there in some good manuscripts, but I think it's there, the part where the stirring of the pool and the first one to step in gets healed. You know? Well, that may or may not be part of the scripture. But it does describe the superstitious feelings the people had about what went on there. And I think verse 7 clarifies that. But here were those who were sick, blind, lame, withered, and there's this man who had been there 38 years. Thir 38 years. Anybody here 38 years old? Oh, one person, yeah, maybe a couple, okay. 38 years is a long time. As I said in, my, in the first service, it's just like, crap, I mean, just so quick, you know. I've been married 40, and I just, you know, quick. Yeah, good. 
38 years. It's like the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40. 38 years is a long time. This man had not been feeling too well. And Jesus knew that. And he said, you want to get well? Are you ever surprised at some of the questions Jesus asked? Okay, now this is response time. I'm going to step down. And when I ask you the question, you could respond, okay? Like, I want you to respond when I step down. Okay. Because some of you guys, you don't respond sometimes. Okay, here we go. All right, so what are some reasons that this man may not have want, wanted to be healed? He didn't believe, okay. Didn't believe what? That he could be healed? Okay. Comfortable in his laziness. Yeah, what? Really? Wow, okay. Painful, yes, but at least I know what I got. Familiar, okay? Okay, go ahead. One more over here. Psychologically paralyzed, okay? I know we needed some participation over on this side, okay? A good welfare system. Okay, now, <laughs> now we laugh at that, but, but that is a very good point because he had people somehow taking care of him in some way. And he became comfortable enough to just kind of, well, maybe I can just go on this way. Now, if I heal, that means I'm going to have to go out and get a job. You know, what's how about that? Okay, so... Jesus asked him the question, and his response is, well, I don't have somebody to take me down to the pool. You know what that says? Because he really doesn't have a right concept of God. Now, he didn't know Jesus, and he didn't know this is the Son of God coming along and saying this to him, but that's just his natural reaction. The only way that he could be healed is somebody to put him into this pool when it was stirred. He'd be the first one to tip his toes in, and then, boom, he's healed. But he, that wasn't going to happen. And Jesus says to him, take up your pallet, your bedroll, whatever it looked like, and walk. Now, what was his response to that? Well, he picked it up and he walked. No, that wasn't a trick question, by the way. Okay, just, I, know, I know it wasn't standing down there, so maybe you felt like it wasn't response time. I don't know. But he picked up his pallet, he picked up his bedroll, and he walked. What do we learn from that? This, <coughs> excuse me. What do we learn from that? <laughs> He responded, yeah, he did. That Jesus had the power, yeah. Power to do what? To make him walk. To bring healing. Okay, now, this is another response time. Where is, where is that passage of Scripture that says, like this, 
if you have your Bibles, you know, you can look it up. If you have your iPhone or whatever, go ahead and get it out now. Get ready because I want you to share with me that passage of Scripture that says that though Jesus healed while he was walking here on earth, he stopped doing it today. You ready? Go. Jesus still heals today. He healed in this passage of Scripture, and he is able to bring healing today. Now, I'm not going to go get all weird on you, okay? You know, we're not going to... I, I am going to invite some of you up later on in the service, at the end of the service. And I'm going to invite you up and ask you, Give you the opportunity to ask the elders to to pray for you, anoint you with oil and pray for you, and I'll describe that a little bit later on. But I want you to know it's not going to be anything weird where we go boom or anything like that. But Jesus did heal when he was walking here on earth. We see the testimony throughout the rest of the New Testament where he brings healing to people. And there's never a place where he says that he stopped. And Jesus can still bring healing today. There were those in the scripture, in this passage, we're not going to deal too much with it, that uh, were opposed to that. The Jews, whenever it says Jews, the Jews there, well, they were all, you know, I mean, Jesus was a Jew and the man was healed, probably a Jew. But when it says the Jews, that's kind of like the enemy. Those who were always opposed to what Jesus were doing. Those who were like, like the Pharisees and, and just trying to entrap Jesus or make sure that, no, 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 no. I, we, we understand you got healed, but you can't carry your pallet, that kind of thing. Now, we've got rules, and you've got to abide by them. Uh, no, 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 no. This man didn't know who it was that healed him, but Jesus finds him again. Verse 14, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, we haven't talked about healing that I remember a whole lot here at Chorus Church, so some of you may be wondering, where's this guy going? I mean, he's not even the regular guy. I mean, you know, is he going to do something weird on it? No, okay? Do you know something from this passage of Scripture? That Jesus dealt with the man's physical needs before he dealt with the spiritual needs? There are t- there's a principle there, I think. That there are times when we need to deal with the physical needs of person, a person, and whatever that might look like, that gives them the opportunity to enter into the presence of Jesus. Like it opens the gate, opens the door that they can walk in. And Jesus said to this man, evidently there was sin in his life, right? Go and sin no more, that nothing worse may come upon you. 
Now, I need to be clear because I don't know your background and where you've, what you might have encountered in the church and in this whole topic of healing. I need to be clear that not sin, excuse me, sickness is not necessarily the result of our personal sin. Now, all sickness is a result is an effect of us living in a fallen world. Now, our sickness may be, may be caused by our sin, but maybe not. Maybe yes, maybe no. So Jesus heals. I Back then, and he does today, I want to make it clear, my understanding of Scripture, that we do not demand that God heal us. There's a passage in James 5 that gives instruction for how we ought to Go about asking for healing. James chapter 5, verse, beginning at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven. And it goes on to say that we are to confess our sins to one another. So what I see from that instruction is that people in the church are to call upon the elders of the church and ask them for anointing of prayer and oil, asking them for anointing of oil and, and prayer. And... Okay, a number of years ago, I was uh, pastoring a church. By the way, as my practice, uh, every time we had communion, we had communion the first Sunday of every month, almost always, okay, that uh, w at the end of the service, we would invite people to come forward and ask them, uh, you know, if they wanted to be prayed for, anointed with oil and prayed for by the elders of the church. So I'm kind of new at this church, but that had been my practice. And we'd start off practicing it there in this church. Uh, and I had, for whatever reason, I had tremendous back pain, neck pain. Went on for a long time. I went to, I think I was, had, went to a couple chiropractors and uh, I'd moved, just moved in from another state, didn't know who to go to, and chiropractors helped in the past, and I finally called back to the previous state I was in and asked that guy for a recommendation, you know, because he had done such good stuff for me. I, I thought, well, I'll get a recommendation. So he said, yeah, go to my professor. He's right there in town. I said, great. So I went there, and the guy liked to kill me. I mean, he set me down in this chair, he went, and my whole arm just 
shook. You know, well, I'm not really a bright person. So I went back to him, I don't know how many times. <laughs> I just, yeah. So, but I'm still in pain. And I mean, it took me, as I remember it, it took me at least a couple hours to recover from going to this guy. But I have hopes that it's going to get better. You get it? So and then there's a lady in the church. I kind of gave up on that guy, but I didn't, you know, what do I do? So then there's a lady in the church, osteopath, and she starts doing her stuff and, and gives me some medication, and I'm not really getting any better. So I'm talking to one of the leaders of the church, Tony, and, and Tony says, well, pastor, have you asked the elders to anoint you with oil and pray for you? You know, it's really bad when we're up there month after month calling people to follow Scripture, and then somebody says, well, you're not doing it. So that was back, that was long enough ago that we had Sunday evening service, and that evening I asked the elders to anoint me with oil to pray for me. And as I'm walking, walking out, the lady osteopath she holds out her hand says give me the medication I don't really want to give those up she says you're trusting Jesus and uh, I gave them to her it was not an instantaneous healing but within a couple weeks it was it was good now that's small that's me that's a personal little anecdote I've prayed for people, and I've seen some people healed. I've prayed for people, probably many more, and not seen them healed. That's not really the point. The point is God instructs us on what we ought to do. He instructs us that we are to call upon the elders of the church that we might be anointed with oil and prayed for. We don't demand. We want God to get all the honor and glory we we acknowledge his sovereignty, and if it's best for us to remain in the condition we are in, then we say, God, thank you, and we do that, and we go on, and until he tells us to stop praying for our healing, we can continue to pray. Now, I've talked about physical, but there's also emotional. I was with the... A group yesterday, we were talking about uh, a lady with some emotional scars from the abuse that she had from her father, how he used to beat her. And, and the emotional scars that remain to this day. And you know, when we, when we go through a physical injury, we sometimes, our bodies will heal, but we'll have a scar left over. And the same is true emotionally. The Lord can bring some healing to us, but there are still some scars that are reminders. And maybe that scar tissue some kind, sometimes gets in the way, and it affects us. Same can happen emotionally. We're going we're gonna to ask you to come forward at the end of the service, after we've sung some songs, and as we get ready to dismiss the congregation. Those of you who want to come forward and be prayed for, 
some of the elders will be up here along with uh, some of the ladies of the church. So if you're a lady and you want to come forward, you feel uncomfortable coming with just the men, uh, you should feel comfortable. There will be some ladies here to, to be with us and pray. So we're going to do that. I just want to prepare you for that. And when we dismiss you as a congregation, uh, you're free to, to get up and leave. If you want to come forward, uh, a number of people did last service, and we prayed for them. Uh, again, we're not getting weird here. We're just trying to follow what the Scripture says. And, and if you want to just stay and pray for those who are up here being prayed for, that's wonderful too. But right now, we are going to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us as we participate in the communion service, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, as it's sometimes called. And those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, we invite you, we're going to invite you to come up. There's uh, the bread and the cup on, on either side under the screens. We're going to invite you to come up while the music is being played. And Chris, you can start coming up now. Uh, and, and we will just uh, invite you to take of the elements, the bread and the cup, return to your seat, and take it as you feel appropriate. We are, we are directed in Scripture that when we come to the Lord's table like this, that we do some examination and ask the Lord to examine our hearts and see if there's anything that we need to confess before we partake of the elements. And so we invite you as you go back to your seat that, that you spend a few moments just asking the Lord to reveal anything in you that you need to, to deal with and to confess before Him or maybe to one another. But let me pray right now, and then as I close, as I finish in prayer, I invite you to just start coming up and uh, get the elements. Lord Jesus, we are reminded that the bread represents your body, which was crucified for us, that the cup represents your blood, which was shed for us. And so, Lord Jesus, as we come before and we put this bread into our mouth and drink it, we are, as the scripture decide, describes it, partaking of your flesh and blood, though it's not your flesh and blood, it's a representation of your flesh and blood. We are partaking of that now. Remembering your death, your crucifixion, your sacrifice for our sins. And in doing so, we remember your sacrifice, Lord, your death, until that time which you come again. And we are so grateful for the promise that one day you will return. So, Father, we offer ourselves up to you.